that worship has gone forth, prayer has gone before us. And Lord, I pray that you bless this time. I pray that somebody who came in here and somebody tuning online that just maybe barely got here, you might even feel like you're checked out, not really quote unquote into it. I pray that you would come expecting. You, you, there are desires in your heart that you have longed to be fulfilled. And in the presence of God, there is the fullness of joy, fulfillment, peace. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And as you open up your heart and your mind to God, I pray that a sense of expectation would come upon you. To say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give it a chance. I want to give the word a chance. I want to give God a chance. I want to read a scripture to you while you're still standing. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. It says, and now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And she hid herself five months, saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. And I pray God takes away some disgrace, some shame, some condemnation off of somebody today. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that we would be free. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I thank you, God, that we don't have to be shackled anymore. We don't have to be imprisoned anymore. God, Lord, that invisible glass prison, God, Lord, needs to be shattered. And I thank you, God, that some walls are going to shatter today and somebody's going to be set free. And I pray that you'd anoint me to preach your word and follow your Holy Spirit and be nimble of mind, flexible in spirit, God, Lord, that I might flow with you and preach your word and your will and not Landon's. And I pray Landon would fade and God would remain. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's give God another praise. You may be seated. You may be seated. Great to have you with us today. Great to be in the house of God. Get out your Bibles and your notebooks. We are a note-taking church, and we are an expressive church. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So we, 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 we know how to take good notes because we take what God is saying to us seriously. And then we also are an expressive church because we get into agreement. This is not a, a voyeur. This is not a spectator sport. Uh, church is not meant to be lived quietly. A quiet church is a dying church. And trust me, I've been around a lot of churches. Anybody grew up around a lot of church? Been around a lot? You, you, you go into a quiet church, you feel a dying church. But you get into a church like, oh, man, these guys are a little crazy, but there's a little energy in here. And you get a little excited and you, you laugh a little. You, you may even laugh at somebody a little bit. You know, you got to be able to do that every once in a while. Just, just you know, take around and just laugh a little bit. Because people get crazy during worship. People get weird. People get ugly during worship. And, and they're just like, oh, Jesus. And they're like going after it. And it's okay. You should be able to have fun at church. You're not making fun of them. But you're saying, man, look at all the different styles of worship and faith and prayer. Because, look, if, you have, if you're thinking about somebody else right now, I'm going to tell you right now, you look weird too. You look goofy too when you're worshiping. I, I look back at y'all. I get up here and I'm seeing y'all worship. And some of you, you're looking there like you're just like hung over from Saturday. And some of y'all are out there, you're looking like you're just, you know, you're all into it, giddy, like a new little kid. You know, we all have the different expressions. And, and, and I want to share with you, I want to talk to you about church culture today. 
Because we've been on a series entitled Culture. If you haven't been with us, make sure you go back and revisit the last couple or last few that I've talked about culture. And we've defined it. We've talked about team culture. We've talked about a lot of different pieces of culture. Uh, we've talked about cancel culture. And we've talked about how to be the type of culture, the kingdom culture that God has created us to be. And I want to use this text in Luke chapter 1, verse 6 through 25. I want to use this text to launch as a launching pad to teach you today about church culture. But before I get into this, I want to talk to you about what church culture may feel like and look like for you. Uh, some of you, you grew up, anybody, no, you don't, don't raise your hand, I'm, I'm going to embarrass somebody. You grew up in a charismatic church or grew up in a more liturgical church, you grew up in a conservative church, you grew up in a black church, a white church, you grew up in a church that uh, it was all, you have a ton of fun memories. How many of you have a, raise your hand if you've got a favorite church, raise your hand if you've got a favorite, go ahead, y'all, everybody better be raising your hand because you might like this church, okay? <laughs> somebody, I, I'm seeing some members out there, I'm like, what the heck? You better like a church. <laughs> You're going to one. So you have church. We have all these. We have like, oh, do you, who likes Stephen Furtick? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you like Stephen Furtick. Who likes T.D. Jakes? Oh, I love T.D. Jakes. Oh, not enough people raising their hand. Okay. Uh, we have all kinds of Joel Osteen. Uh, Joel Osteen. A lot of people want to throw stones at him. But look, I, I preach with him. And I, I, like, we preached at the T-Mobile Arena together. And we saw 7,000 people give their life to Jesus and call upon the name of the Lord. You can throw stones all you want, but he's doing something. When was the last time you saw 7,000 people led to Jesus? There's all, everybody's got their church style and their church. It, church can be also, it can be really funny. Like, you know, if you've grown up in church, you've grown up long enough to see some crazy stuff. Right? <laughs> if you grew up in church like me, you grew up, who grew up with Easter productions? Like massive, like camels coming down, the, and you got horses coming in, and you got all this stuff, and you got aerial angels flying through the stage, and they're coming. That's the kind of church I grew up in. And when I had that kind of church, we had this illustration for Easter, and, and, and it was like about 6,000 people there. And we had this, we went over it, we went over it, and we went over it, practice after practice. And they had the three crosses. Everybody know the three crosses, right? Jesus, right, and the two, okay, so you have this, you have Jesus, and we, we, you nail him to the cross, you pick the cross up with Jesus on it, you put the cross down, okay, you nail Jesus to the cross, you pick the cross up with Jesus on it, you, you set the cross down, real simple, so the Roman soldiers are doing this, and as they're doing this, uh, they left one of their helmets, because they got in the, in the heat of it, they're like, took off their helmet, they're really wanting to like, Punish Jesus. So they're out there and everybody's like crying. This is a serious moment. And they're like, that's it. And the crescendo of the music is happening and they raise Jesus up. Well, because the helmet was there, it was a big old metal helmet with spikes on it. It caught the diaper that Jesus was wearing and it literally hooked his diaper. And as they pull the cross up, this helmet whoop, rips whoo, Jesus butt naked in front. It's biblical. And they were up there looking... <laughs> At Jesus, and everybody is just like you. You don't know whether to laugh or cry or be in shock or like, is this even funny? This is sacrilegious. And like, you got half the religious people turning around. I'm just going to avert my eyes. I will put no evil thing before me. I will just pray. And you got half, everybody's got these different responses. And they have, and it's crazy stuff happens at church all the time. We were doing a baptism service. And we had the, the baptismal tank is on like the second level. And as you come out to the baptismal tank from your changing areas, you come through and you come to the side. And then they have video cameras that would film you getting baptized. But did you grow up in a church like me where if it was your first time and you gave your life to Jesus, you were getting baptized that day? 
That's, how, that's the church. They were, imagine that, those of you first-time guests here today, giving your life to come on back here with us. We're going to take you right up to the tank. Here we go. Baptize you. Now, let's fill you with the Holy Spirit. So we got all the checkpoints covered, and now you're a disciple of Jesus. And we would try to get everything done in one day. And so we, we this big old biker dude, I mean, big, big, big guy. He comes up, he gets changed, he gets in his white robe, because that's how we did it. So you get the white robes, and then he goes over, they baptize him, and he gets up, and he's just burly, he's like, yeah, this is awesome. And then he goes out, and he doesn't know any better, but the cameras are following him. So he gets over to the hallway before he gets to the changing room, and he just takes off his big old robe and starts undressing, and my pastor is not good on the fly, Okay. So he sees this happening, and he and it's on the screens. So, it, I mean, there are massive screens on either side, and all you see are these two white, white, white cheeks up there. And he is like, everybody, turn around and bow your heads to the ground. And, geez. and I'm like, what? Well, we already saw it. I don't under. <laughs> it, the craziest stuff happens at church. I saw a, a literally lighting like this one time, literally set on fire during worship, and people start saying, fire, fire. My pastor's like, yes, worship is on fire. Yeah. And then when we told him it should put it out, like, no, it's fine. The Holy Spirit lit it. The Holy Spirit will put it out. I'm like, no, we're stopping service right now. But it's funny stuff. But then the other stuff that happens is painful. Church can be one of the worst places for some people because they think they're going to be judged they think it's fake. They think that it's all about money. And, and then they hear a pastor say a few other pastors' names, maybe like Joel Osteen. And they hear a preacher preach and tell a bunch of jokes and they think, oh, he's just like that one who hurt me. And they hear a worship team sing a similar song and they're like, oh, he was dressed just like that other guy. I thought he was a good leader. And we have these church hurts and we have, we have the funny moments and we have the pain. We have the worst moments and the best moments all in the same place. Some of the greatest things that will ever happen to you happen right at church. And some of the most toughest moments you'll ever see in your life happen right at church. Why? Because we're broken people. And I'm tired of religions acting like they're the reason and they're the way to fix it. Broken religion won't fix it either. But it's by relationship through Christ that when you start seeing, I'm coming to church broken. I know you're broken. I'm going to give you a break because you're broken. Pastor, I'll give you a break because I know you're broken. And if you're broke, you can't fix me. The only one... Who can fix me is Jesus. And we have to start reshaping and redefining our expectations because our expectations when we come to church, if unmet, will leave us with resentment. If you come to church expecting, if you go into a relationship, I mean, this is a leadership principle. If you go into a relationship, a business, or anything you go into with an expectation that becomes unmet because you never communicated your expectations clearly, if you, don't, if you don't help shape it the right way, you will have resentment. And resentment left long enough will be a root of bitterness in your life. And you'll always blame church and not know why because it was a place of expectation that didn't meet your desires. And so now church is to blame instead of the expectation. You have to, when, and when I'm doing premarital counseling, this is the number one point I talk to young couples about. How much sex is enough sex? Got real quiet. <laughs> how, how much sex is enough sex? You have to talk about that. They, people don't want to talk about sex at church or money at church or anything at church. But this is the place we should teach about all those things. <laughs> and, and it's okay to talk about that stuff because you can say, okay, this is how we can communicate expectations. What should church be like? 
I want to paint, I want to show you what our shape is because what you fail to define, you'll fail to accomplish. So you have to shape it correctly by the leading of the Holy Spirit. When you do, you have to define it. The Bible says, write it down so that those who see it may run with it. Now, let me give you this. These are our seven core values. And I want you to say these with me. Now, if you don't go to this church or you don't like this church for some weird reason, if you don't, want, if you don't like, you don't have to say this. I don't want you to say it. If this is your church and you believe in what we're about to say, I want you to repeat this with me. Say it with me. I will appreciate diversity, practice generosity, embrace a spirit-filled life, lead with authenticity, practice love and respect in relationships, be the witness and serve with purpose. Give God praise if you believe in any of that. Because we are going to shape and redefine culture and church culture as you know it. You may have come from somewhere else, but can we do something new? It, it may, I may have grown up with a lot of things that I was familiar with, but the familiar won't be able to go into something new. You're going to have to get rid of the old wineskin and get a new wineskin. You're going to have to get something new on you Amen. and change who you used to. Just change your preference. Change your mind. Did you know that if you pray, write this down, especially if you've never prayed. If you pray for 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, they can literally show the change in your brain on a brain scan. 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, if you pray that much, you can see your brain completely change. Proven science. Now science is proving the gospel. Because we know that in our, we can be transformed by what? The renewing of the, our mind with the word of God, by praying and getting in his word. And so now we have this opportunity to reshape our mind, reshape our perspective, and reshape the way we identify what church should be. And not according to what I want, but what according to he wants. So now let's look at the text. And I'm just going to begin this, and I'm, I'm going to have to continue it the next week or two, of reshaping church culture. Is that okay? Now, can I preach to you like I'm 60 and know what I'm doing? <laughs> instead of like a instead of a 37-year-old who feels like he's still beginning, I, I want to preach to you with wisdom that's really beyond me. And I want to teach you some stuff that, that will really help us change and shape culture in church. In verse 6, this is the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, how they became pregnant and gave birth to John. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. I want you to underline it, highlight it. You need to know that these are good people. These are good people who love God, who haven't had a kid, haven't had a prayer answered, haven't had a desire answered. And then would be soon, Zacharias would become mute because of God. But they were good people. It, just because you're a good person doesn't mean bad things can't happen. Just because you love God doesn't mean the rain doesn't fall on you. The rain falls, the Bible says, on the just and the unjust. It falls on us all. We live in a broken world. Again, broken, right? And the only one who can fix us is Jesus. It's okay to go through life because what you're doing is by saying, oh, I'm a good person who loves God, so life, therefore, must be good for me. But if you shape your expectations incorrectly, you will wind up resenting God and have a bitterness towards your Savior. Wow. And you have to see, I can be a good person and still have difficulties. If you've experienced a difficulty, say amen right there. Amen. I'm going to teach you. Some of y'all are new. You're, you're like, I don't know when we clap or we'll say amen here. So if you could just give us a clue. Is there an applause meter somewhere? We'll, we'll, we'll help you. We'll guide you through the process. It says this. It says, but... 
They had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. That means older than dirt. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went to, into the temple of the Lord. <clears throat> and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside. All the people, the whole multitude, were praying outside at the hour of incense. I think I heard an amen when I said that, right? One person, one theologian gets where I'm going with this. They were all, he came to pray and light incense, which is prayer and worship. He came to light incense before the Lord, and they all came to gather at the church. This all, I want you to write this down, it happened at church. It happened at church. They, were, they went to the temple. Yeah, of course, you are the temple, but when we come together, we are the church. Many members but one body never forsake the fellowship of the brethren. We have to come together because where two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst of them. You cannot do church alone. You first, uh, I want to reshape church culture. This doctrine of saying, oh, church is, is not a part of the, you don't need church to love God. What devil told you that? I don't know a single word from God that he, why he sent his son, died on the cross, poured out his Holy Spirit so that we could all come together in one accord, in one spirit. And then somebody hear a whisper of a demonic spirit says, oh, you don't need church to love Jesus. Uh, what? You better check your heart because that is not God speaking to you. God is saying, hey, we need to gather. We need to, I don't like big churches. I don't like full churches. I don't like that. We all have our preferences, but don't let them become a prejudice of how God can use somebody and do something in your life because now we've shaped the wrong shape. Jesus is like, I need to break your mold. You have shaped church in this disformed thing. We gather together because we're better together. We gather together because I like being with you. Slap somebody you like being with and say, I like going to church with you. Now hit somebody you didn't say, you better get better. <laughs> I, I like going to church with George and Omar. I like going to church with people. Why? Because if you're miserable at church, it's your dang fault. I'm going to walk. Is that okay? It's been a while since so I've taken a walk through the aisles for a little bit. I, I like going to church. I saw you out here worshiping. I don't even know your name, but I like doing church with that guy. You want to know why? Because you, it's not about names and, oh, do we both like Taco Bell? Oh, do we really like, did we vote the same side? You know, all this garbage. No, 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 no. You can feel a kindred spirit. You can feel somebody who's on the same page. You can feel somebody that says, oh, I'm ready to worship too. You ready to worship? We're going to do this together because we're coming together. Oh, church culture if you're tuning in online and the enemy has kept you from coming together i want you to continue to pray that the holy spirit leads you not to come together but maybe there's somebody you can invite in your home so you're not doing church alone the worst nightmare of a pastor is that there's so many i've got hundreds of people who are still scattered abroad and have nowhere to go and aren't connected and no faith and hopeless and literally thinking of suicide the reason we open these doors again is because i had five people that i know take their own life we need to be the church that says, oh, no, I'm going to go, hey, I, okay, stay six feet apart if you need to, but come close because my hope can travel a little, it can travel seven feet. My hope can travel a little ten feet. If, you, if you're good with six feet, my hope can travel a little bit further than that. I need you to be close. You are not meant to do life alone. You are not meant to live this alone. You are not meant to clap alone. Oh, can I, can I preach? 
The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. If you saw somebody crying when I was talking, you ought to shed a tear for them. And if you can't, check your heart on why you're still hardened. If you see somebody clapping that's next to you, you ought to clap. Because you don't know why they're clapping. But it may be because they just came through their darkest moment. And you can say, that's all right. I'm, I'm doing good, but I'm glad you're here too. Because you ought to rejoice with those who rejoice. You ought to weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. And you can't do that alone. You can't do this alone. If Jesus needed 12, why do you think you're good alone? Why, why do you think, and everybody wants, well, home church and small group, that's where it's at. No. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's in addition to. There are healthy branches of discipleship that need to take place of a five-fold ministry in every church. But you need to do it in accordance with which God instituted it for. That's when we get out of order. That's when we get out of place. And then we wonder why things aren't clicking. So we have to reshape. So they reshape. And then what does he say? They came because uh, his lot fell to come and do worship, to light the incense, to pray. I want to talk to a church who knows how to pray. Can I talk to anybody who knows how to pray for a little bit? I want to talk to somebody who knows how to pray like old school saints. We call them uh, members now. Uh, I feel like you've been a long time. But remember when we called them saints? Amen. And a saint knew how to call down heaven for you. You young people who are my age and younger, I'm putting myself in that category. Uh, we, we, <laughs> I'm even laughing. You, you, uh, we ought to see ourselves and say, hey, I'm not a church member. I'm a saint of God. I was a sinner saved by grace, now becoming a saint. I don't need a, a church to give me a title. I am that because of his righteousness. And when you stand in the gap of righteousness, you stand as an intercessor before man and God. And you become an intercessor, a prayer warrior for other people. And some people will only get free because of your faith. I, I could preach all through Scripture. You remember the mama who took the whole journey and she wasn't a Jew and she wandered her way and got her way and fought her way to Jesus because her daughter was demon-possessed and she needed Jesus to intercede. It's because she's saying, Jesus, I need you. Oh, I just need you to say a word. I need you to deliver my daughter. I need somebody who has that kind of faith. And even when God, even when Jesus said, no, get away from me, you dog. She said, oh, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I need somebody who knows how to pray and says, I'm praying till I get my breakthrough. I'm going to pray until I get my answer. I'm not leaving church in my hour and 15 minutes because when that happens, I need to be at Cracker Barrel. I'm going to stay at church as long as I need to stay at church. When was the last time we had a service where somebody was at the altar and we just had to start the next service? That's the kind of church you should be having. Because church without miracle, the Bible says that Jesus went through all the land preaching, teaching, and healing every manner of sickness and disease. Check me. Am I in the scripture? And, and, and guess what we have a lot of right now? Oh, we have great preaching. Uh, let's try to set you guys up there. Uh, we have great teaching. We have, we, have, we, have good, we have good, oh, we have some great teachers out there. I think we've got tens of thousands of great preachers and teachers. I love finding somebody new. I can't wait. Uh, this summer, I have about 20-something guest speakers coming through here. You want to know why? Because I need to expose our church to some incredible people. And Landon is not the only voice. 
And when we build this church, I'm going to find some no-namers. I, 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 when we get big, that's my, when we get big, my goal is to invite the big dogs. They already have a big. I want to go find somebody who's in the middle of nowhere and say, man, this guy can preach. He's got character. There's only 500 people in his town. He's got all 500 going to his church. He's not a mega church, but he is a powerful man. I want, to, I want them to preach. I want her to preach. I want, them, I want God to do Because we need to see God move and stop saying, oh, that's not how church should be. Because Jesus went through healing every manner of sickness and disease. And if we have church and it's only teaching and preaching and no empowering, no deliverance, no healing, no miracles, no signs, no wonders, we are not. The devil doesn't care that you came to church. The devil, the devil doesn't care that you came to church. The devil likes it when you come to church. Good for you. As long as you keep coming through your routine and never expect God to do anything. Because God wants to move in your life. But as long as you just say, oh, we had, I felt good. I, oh, I got the warm. Some people, equ uh, they equate the Holy Spirit to goosebumps. Oh, I got goosebumps. I felt the Spirit today. And I cried. And I went home. And it was amazing. And that we, we attribute it to. I can go to a Celine Dion concert and get goosebumps. Some of you are like, Celine. I, I, it's not, no, no, no. The, the touch of God always transforms somebody's life. When Jesus showed up, towns were flipped upside down. When the disciples showed up in a city, the whole city got saved. When God shows up, miracles, signs, and wonders ought to follow everybody. Because prayer comes first and worship comes first. We're going to be a worship-filled culture. Every church has their Omar. <laughs> oh, that's our Omar and people online. Or who's that loud dude in the front? And they can hear him on the podcast. <laughs> You're like semi-famous to like 800 people. <laughs> but Omar starts cheering. The two rows up front. When I get really preaching, they stand up. Some of y'all are like, why do they stand while he's preaching? I don't get it. This is my super Christian voice. That's always my care. I was. And you have these people who stand up. And then I, I, people always ask me, why do they do that? And I want to turn back to them and say, why don't you ask them yourself? Because this is what happened in the Bible. There was a, a woman who came and broke the oil, opened it up, poured it all over Jesus' feet. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 12. John chapter 12 poured the oil. And the disciples said, whoa, 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 why so extreme? Why so, why, why are you standing and clapping? Why are you shouting amen up there, Omar? Why are you getting all crazy? I don't know. Maybe you should ask him why he's getting crazy for God. Because chapter 12 only tells us the extravagant worship, but chapter 11 tells us why. Because all of a sudden, there was a man who was in a tomb, and Jesus rolled it away and said, Lazarus, come forth. And her only response was, you brought him back to life? Oh, man, I'm going to pour it on your feet. I'm going to worship God. You don't know somebody's worship because you don't know somebody's battle. And when you know their battle, you'll know why they were. Oh, give God some praise. Give God a real praise. Give God 10 seconds of praise. Because you don't know why I'm clapping, so quit looking at me like I'm crazy. 
Don't, don't judge me while I stand for the word and you only stand for a football game. Don't judge me while I'm cheering for God and you only know how to cheer for a concert. Don't judge. You don't know where I came from. I went through all hell in my life. And when I finally got through it, I said the only way I know how to respond is by extravagantly worshiping God, by jumping around, by getting excited. Oh, man. Some people are like, oh, I like coming to this church because the pastor's super passionate. Oh, he's just passionate. He's loud. Okay, who cares? Unless you get passionate too. Quit coming to get suck all my energy from me. Why don't you bring some of your own? And we have we have to. Uh, I can feel the pull. Some of you are mature believers, and you know, I, I like I could feel the pull when you're like, "Ooh, go a little deeper in that word and explain it in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin." <laughs> and I, I could feel it, and I could feel the pull when somebody's like, "Oh, I'm lifeless and I got nothing." And I can feel that when somebody's desperate, and I could say, "Okay, I got something to give because in me is a wellspring of life that will never run dry." But I can also feel when somebody's just here to be entertained. And I'd rather have two full services than three. And we used to do seven <laughs> before COVID. But I, I believe that God wants to reshape the way we worship. Can I share one more illustration of worship? And then we'll, Josh will come, and then we'll continue this a little bit later. But um, Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, there's a story of Jesus. He's, or chapter 4, sorry. Jesus is teaching. And he's teaching to thousands. You teachers back there, right? My young life leaders. You're teaching, imagine thousands before. So many people, you got to get in a boat. Get on the shore. Jesus didn't preach on the water because he probably had everybody have a heart attack, have to raise them from the dead, and it would just take more time. So he's sitting there on a boat. He's like, okay, let's teach. And you know what happens? Nothing. Jesus preaches, and no, no miracles, no signs, no wonders. Jesus preaches, and nothing happens. And Jesus says, okay, guys, let's go to the other side. And when they get in the boat to go to the other side, he left the thousands for one. Why? Because the moment he set foot on that shore, even though this man was broken and he was demon-possessed and life was miserable to him, he had the greatest highs and the lowest lows and he was cutting himself and suicidal and he was the most desperate, bleeding, disgusting man you've ever seen in your life, running to his ship naked. He's running on the shore and he's coming to Jesus and the moment Jesus' boat pulls up to shore, Jesus sets foot on the ground and this man comes running and kneels down and worships Jesus because Jesus will leave a crowd that wants a preacher for a crowd that wants to worship. If he can leave the thousands, he'll go to one who say, oh, I'll worship, I'll worship. If Jesus will come, I'll worship, I'll worship. I'll chase after him. Stop calling yourself a Christian when all you want is more preaching. And all we want is, oh, well, well, I would worship if the worship team was up there. It's only in our lifetime have we relegated worship to a genre of music. Worship has nothing to do with a young man getting behind a piano with a microphone. It has everything to do with your position of your heart. And if you can worship, if you can worship with music, you should be able to worship in silence. You should be able to worship while the preaching's going on. You should be able to worship when nobody's around you. You should be able to worship at home and in your car, at your workplace. A worshiper is worshiper wherever they go. When you get me, I, everything with me comes. Oh, I wish I could keep preaching all day. Because when you get, 
when you got when they got Jesus, they got everything that comes with Jesus. When when they get you, they got everything that comes with you. You don't have to say, "Hey, Pastor Landon, will you come preach?" You know, at this event for us, and blah blah blah. And also, maybe you know, we'll, we'll pay you extra if you can, you know, play the drums because some of y'all didn't know. I like to play. Hey, oh, we'll pay it. No, 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 no. I'm just coming. You get what? When you get me, you get all of me. It's just who I am. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be landing no matter where I go. I, I'm, I'm gonna have the talents and abilities and gifts. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna show up and become somebody different. I'm not gonna show up and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm at church, so let's worship. No, no, no. A real worshiper knows how to worship no matter where they are, what the situation, what the circumstance. Because if you don't know how to worship like that, you'll never make it through. You'll never get through it. Worship is literally what caused that man to be delivered. That man got healed because he worshiped. Your worship can bring deliverance in your life and healing in your life. It can deliver you from your doubt and insecurities, the battle of your mind, of your prejudice and preference. God can deliver you from your self-righteousness. God can deliver you from, from, from all the ails that try to plague your mind and your heart. God can heal you of cancer. God can heal your marriage. God can heal your finances. It, it's going to come, but it's going to come through the power of worship. Because it happened at church. All this happened at church. They came there and they came to worship. And you know what happened when they came to worship? Everybody came. Everybody was praying. Everybody's worshiping. And then he's worshiping. He's got his incense that he's lighting. And he's praying. How do you pray? Do you, do you guys like a kneeler? Or are you a, you're a hands folded kind of person? What, are, what do you do? How do you pray? How do you pray? Do you, yeah, you just like that? Yeah, just like that. Yeah, real simple. Keep it, keep it simple. And, and uh, for me, I'm a pacer. You know, I like to pace. I'm like, pace. Just like when I preach. I'm, I'm, when I'm praying, I'm walking. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thinking out loud. And I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. He's going through this. He's praying, just like you and I. He's praying, and he's worshiping. They're all worshiping and praying outside. He's lighting the incense. He's doing all this. And then all of a sudden, the angel of God shows up in front of him. And guess what happens? The worst thing that could happen happened. He was afraid, and he was scared. You want to know why? Because he was praying and worshiping a God that he did not expect to show up for him. And when you are praying, and when you are worshiping and expecting God to do nothing, all it will cause is fear in your life. You need to pray, and you need to worship. God and say, I know God's going to show up. I don't know when, but I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep worshiping because you need to have in church, church should come with a sense of expectation. Write that down. Church should be reshaped with expectations. Not my own, but what his word says. That when you call, I will answer. That I'll come to beat the brokenhearted. That I'll set the captive free. Oh, I can't, I, 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 I'm going to fulfill my promise. But I need you when you're praying and when you're worshiping to actually believe who you're calling on. Because worship is calling on somebody greater than yourself. That's what prayer and worship is. That's why of all the things that God can do, he can't do worship. Because there is no one greater. And our job as a chosen, created vessel is to say, I will worship you. Remember that old school song, I will worship you. I wish I had my wife here. She can sing good. 
as I'm not even going to attempt to go on the other lines. I will worship you. I will worship you. I will worship you, Almighty God. I will worship you. uh, When was the last time we just got into a place and say, God, I'm worshiping and expecting. I'm praying and expecting. The problem that you've had in the past is it's been your expectations of what you got, what you want God to do for you, rather than just Him showing up with you. So, because when God shows up in your life, He's going to send an angel. He's going to do whatever He can to send God to you. But if God's not answering the prayer like you wanted Him to, to do what He what you asked Him to do, and He just shows up with you, you're going to be mad at God because you have an expectation of Him to perform for you, not to be with you. And so we're creating up this generation who just wants to treat God like a vending machine and say, as long as you keep doing what I want, I'll keep putting prayer and worship in. But that's not how God works. God works and says, you know what, I want to show up with you. But the good part is when I show up with you, all the miracle signs and wonders and healing come with me. You can't, you're going to get it all with me, but you need to go ahead and just worship me for who I am. Not for what I do. We need to worship God. And we need to get passionate and crazy about it, loud about it, get excited about it. Come to church and say, oh, man, I wonder what's going to happen today. Who's getting healed today? Who's getting delivered today? I wonder if we're going to see a miracle today. I wonder if we're going to see somebody's arm grow out. I wonder if we're going to see somebody get out of a wheelchair today. When was the last time you came to church expecting something great to happen? And we walk into church and we look. This is how we come into church. We come into church and we're like, let's see how it goes. I had a guy one time literally show up in church, and he was in the back row, and I was greeting people like I do before service, and he was whispering and thought I couldn't hear it. He goes, we'll see how it goes. And I I heard it. So I was like, oh, really? I was like, see how it goes? I was like, what do you think is going to happen, man? And I just confronted him like, have an expectation or get out. He's a believer. I'm I'm talking about a 10-year believer. I'm not talking about a brand-new Christian. I'm talking about a young man who's a spoiled Christian who thinks he's going to show up and and judge the church and see if they're checking all their boxes for what. No, no, God didn't call you in here to decide who's good and bad. God called you into the house of God to say, let's worship together. Let's pray together. Let's come together. Let's join together. Let's be in agreement together. Let's get excited together. Let's stand together. Oh, yeah, let's stand. Let's stand for real. If y'all don't stand, I'm going to keep preaching I, we, we, ought to, we ought to do something. Let's do it together. Let's worship together. Let's believe together. Let's pray together. Let's expect together. Let's expect Flagstaff to change. Let's expect our lives to be better. Let's expect souls to be one. I know too many churches that their expectation and their shape of church never sees a soul one every Sunday. But yet every Sunday at this church, we see somebody new give their life to Jesus every time these doors are open. Baptisms are happening. Miracles, signs, and wonders. We've had people get healed of cancer in this house. We've had people get delivered. My wife, who was barren and couldn't have kids, she's pregnant with our first in 16 weeks. God can do anything. God can do it, but it's praying and worshiping and going through your routines of godliness, your forms of godliness that will get you in a rut of religion. Instead of standing in a place of expectancy, saying, oh God, I just want you to show up. I want you to show up so you could show off in my life. And I'm going to show up every day. Oh, I love how Zacharias, even though he had years of, of unanswered prayers, 
unmet expectations. He never gave up on coming to the temple. He never gave up on prayer, on worship. He kept showing up, showing up, showing up, showing up. And pretty soon, God was ready to show off. Because it's your consistency that shows your integrity. I know a lot of people who show up to church one time and say, I'm a Christian. And I know a lot of people who show up consistently and show me they're a Christian. And they don't need to prove it to me by any means. But I think we ought to know, the Bible says, know those who you labor with. I think it's pretty important to know that there's some other brothers and sisters out there that you can count on. Instead of just hearing another Christian say, oh, I'll pray for you. And you know they're not going to pray. But to hear somebody say, no, I'm going to pray for you. And you know they mean it. And they're going to intercede for you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for today. I thank you for this word that has become flesh, made tangible to our life. And Lord, now we can apply it to our life. How? We can reshape our expectations of church. We can reshape our expectations of pastors and worship teams. We can reshape our expectations of ourselves and our own hopes. And we can get rid of some false fleshly expectations. And Lord, we can now start stepping into a, a greater, more fresh, more new, more, more uh, a powerful identity in what church should be like and how important it is and the culture in which we should stand. And Lord, I thank you, God, that we are shaping a church culture that will change the world. And Lord, we will not settle for anything less than reaching the world and seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ expand every corner of the world and that every tongue and every tongue and every tribe and every nation confess that Jesus is Lord. And I thank you, God, that there are some here today that not only church is being reshaped, but they're reshaping the way they see their Savior. And maybe somebody needs to give their life to Jesus today for the first time or rededicate your life to God. With every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody looking around, if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand with faith. Raise it, raise it. Thank you for that hand. Jesus' name. Thank you for those online. Lord, we thank you for the hand raised, and we thank you for the hearts that are open. And Lord, we pray if there's anybody else, God, who needs to receive it, all they need to do is the Bible says, confess with your heart and believe with your confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord. So with everybody under the sound of my voice, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I receive you now. As my Lord, as my Savior, as my Heavenly Father. I'm forever yours. And I am saved. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout it. Let's give God a praise. Amen, amen. Now I'm going to challenge you. Continue to RSVP. And maybe some of you heard this church culture and you're like, oh, okay, I like it. Let's keep coming. And maybe some of you, I don't resonate with you. Here and online, I want you to not come back. And I want you to connect to a pastor and a church that you do resonate with. The only tragedy is not that you don't go here, but that you don't go anywhere. Go somewhere where somebody can speak into your life. Encourage you, build you, and challenge you, and make you the disciple that God has created you to be. This isn't a church of everybody. This is a church of whoever God calls. We can't fit them all, but we'll fit those who are called. And we love that, and we accept that. I'm not trying to act like people belong to me. People come and go. But no matter what you do, don't do church alone. And get to a place that resonates with your spirit, that you can be fed and fueled for your faith. Amen?
Amen. Awesome. What a great Sunday. I want to speak this bridge declaration. We'll be dismissed, and I'm going to continue this next week, so be here for more church culture. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Amen. God bless you, Bridge. We are so glad that you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision today, whether that be dedicating your life to Christ for the first time or rededicating your life to Christ, email us at info at wearebridge.church and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you are joining our Bridge Church online family for the very first time, we have a special gift for you. Email us at info at wearebridge.church to share some information so we can get that gift out to you. We're so happy that you joined us today and we can't wait to see you soon. Make sure to stay connected because we are so much better together.